Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. We're going to declare by faith. We've been doing this up to Christmas Day. I declare by faith. If I'm told we've run out of declare by faith cards, but it is online. If you don't have one, we'll get some more printed. I really felt that building up to Christmas, we had to de- declare these seven statements. And so let's declare these uh, by faith. I'll say a line, then you, de- uh, you, you, you say it after me already. And we'll say, if you've never been to Soul Church before, you think, what's going on? Just follow along. You'll soon catch it. I declare by faith. I will see every unsettled area of my life settled. I will encounter supernatural grace and favor. I will enter a new rest in Christ. I will be strong in body, in mind and soul. I will lead someone closer to Jesus. I will watch doors of opportunity open in front of me. I will experience divine protection over my family and loved ones. Amen. Amen. Father, we declare by faith, faith has to be spoken. Faith comes by hearing. And the series might be over, Father, but your word isn't over. So we keep declaring by faith these seven areas of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, you guys can take your seats. Thank you, worship team. The World Cup begins tonight. It's coming home. Okay, we are week three of our four-week series, Love Thy Neighbor. And if you don't have a love thy neighbor card just slip up your hand if you don't have the love thy neighbor little follow along card you can jot some notes just slip up your hand our team will place that in your hand okay so they'll come around and we might refer to that as we go along talking of neighbors did anyone hear the good news this week that neighbors is returning to our screens can you believe it they only they only disappeared for a couple of months okay Okay, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, this has been our series passage, Jesus was asked a question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? There are 613 commandments in the Jewish law, and Jesus was tested, which is the most important. And Jesus responds, and he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Basically, Jesus boiled the whole of Scripture, all of the laws, down to loving God and loving others. And the goal of this series is to take the command of Jesus to love others off the pages of the Scripture into our hearts and onto our streets. And the neighbor that Jesus is referring to um, is, far, is, is far greater than the idea, than simply the person who maybe lives next door to us. Jesus is referring to anyone on the pathway of our lives. And 
Week one, we looked at the way we think. Why do I have to? Was anyone challenged by that message? I was challenged by that message. Everyone is someone. Everyone is someone. Everyone is waiting to discover they are someone that Jesus died for. And the second thought was, everyone is waiting to discover that they are valuable. They are valuable. They've been redeemed. And last week, last week, um, Steve started, spoke brilliantly on, the, uh, on action, putting our thoughts into action. So I want to just continue on this week on the subject around invitation. Just after Jesus has given these two great commands, an expert arrives to try and trip him up. It says in Luke chapter 10 verse 25, an expert in the 613 laws arrives and stood up to test Jesus. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Just want to put a little disclaimer in here. Be careful after God has spoken to you about something in your life. Someone will always arrive to try and trip you up. Okay? Just be careful. That's just nothing to do with the message. But after God speaks to you, maybe he gives you a dream, he gives you an idea. I remember when God spoke to Chantal and I in America in 2016, January 2016. I remember where I was. And as soon as I got back, someone tried to trip me up about the new church. Someone said, oh, that's just a pipe dream. Seen lots of these. And you've got to be careful when God speaks to you. There'll always be someone who'll try and trip you up. And Jesus says this. He says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? He's trying to trip Jesus up. And Jesus, instead of fighting back or arguing his point or justifying his position, he decides, I'm going to make the next five minutes of your life, religious leader, the most uncomfortable five minutes you've ever had. I'm going to tell you a story. And this is not an easy story. This is a story that you're going to feel very challenged by. I'm going to show you in the hardest possible way what it is to love your neighbor. We know now that we now know this is the parable of the good Samaritan. I'm going to read this parable. You can follow along. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance, a certain priest came down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus answered and said, Go and do likewise. Let's read this a little more local and a little more 21st century. A young boy on the way down to Carrow Road from Castle Mall met a few youths hanging around at the train station. 
They stopped him, beat him up, stole his Nintendo Switch, his Apple Watch, his cash, and his Canary shirt. A few minutes later, a pastor from the local church saw him and looked at him. But he crossed the road as he was running late for the match. Moments later, the local vicar, Barry, happened to ride past on his new hybrid bicycle. Slowed down, thought about stopping, but was running late for his wife Betty's 60th birthday. So he rode on. An hour later, Rory, a student from UEA, running late for his lecture, saw this young fella bleeding on the side of the road. Without even thinking, got off his e-scooter, took off his Burberry shirt, and wrapped it around the bloody gash in his leg. Noticing a severe cut in his head, called an ambulance and traveled with him to the NNN. On arrival, he was taken straight into emergency surgery. Before the student left, he didn't have much money because of his student loan was fast diminishing, but what he did have, he paid for prescriptions and left some extra bunts, so when the young boy got better, he had some money to replace his canary shirt. Jesus brings our attention to this broken individual. A Jewish man has been robbed, he has been beaten, he's been left naked on the side of the road, and the Bible describes him as half dead. Who knows, that's a sour picture. And in this moment, Jesus, he is, he is messing with the expert's head because he invites the expert into the story. I want to talk today on the invitation of Jesus. The invitation of Jesus. Because contained in this story are three spiritual invitations. Three lessons uh, that Jesus is inviting us into. The first invitation is this. He is inviting us to notice them. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. You know, before we can act, we have to see. Loving our neighbor begins by noticing their need. I'm sure the Good Samaritan wasn't just off for a wonder. I'm sure he had a schedule to keep, yet the Bible says he saw. The first question to ask ourselves is this, is do we notice? Do we notice the individual at work who is struggling with their relationship? Do we notice the person on our road who is, who is sick? Do we notice the friend at university who is struggling to pay their bills? Maybe your friend at school is going for a messy, their parents are going for a messy divorce. Maybe it's those who are struggling with food scarcity around us. But before we can act, before we can make any difference, we've got to be able to see. I think Jesus in this moment is talking about anyone who is in danger, anyone who is doing life hard, anyone that is being taken advantage of. Jesus is inviting us, you and I, into their story. The question is, do we notice, do we notice those neighbors around us or have we become numb, have we become blind? In 2007, Chantal and I moved down to Cape Town, South Africa. 
And um, I'd been to Nigeria before. This was the first time Chantal had been to Africa. We were picked up by a, by a, Christian, a, a Christian leader in the city. And um, he, was, he was a well-meaning man. And we got in the car. And it was late at night. And we were driving to the bed and breakfast where we were staying. And when we got to the traffic lights, we were sort of taken back by everything we're seeing, new, new sights, new, 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 you know, as you, as you do in a, in a new country. As we got to the traffic lights, we looked up and there was some children. They must have been five, six, seven years old, and they were knocking on our windows with little bowls, going like this, feed me. So I'd never seen this. And Chantal and I were like, what's going on? Like, why are there children knocking on our window at 11 o'clock at night? You know, we have small children, but who knows, you would not send them alone into a city center to knock on strangers' car windows. And so I said to the, to, 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 to the guy who was dry, I said, what, what's going on? And he said this, he said, oh, just ignore them. You'll get used to it. You'll get numb to it. And Chantal, who's been known to speak her mind, she turned to me and she says, John, we, she says, as long as we live in this country, we will never get used to this. Now, well, let me tell you, we can clap. The reality is we've all got used to something. That was his context. We all have our own context. And that became challenging because the longer we live, we lived in Cape Town for nearly seven years. The longer we lived in Cape Town, the more poverty we saw and you got used to things. And the reality is, is there is poverty and need and brokenness all around us. But the question is, do we see it? Do we see it? And the invitation in this story, first and foremost, is do we see it? This is our first takeaway, if you, if you want to write something down in your little card. Loving our neighbors begins by noticing their need. It begins by noticing their need. We cannot love what we don't see. And our neighbors are saying this, does anyone see me? Maybe you're saying that this morning. Maybe you're here in church and you're all alone and the question you have is, does anyone see me? Does anyone notice me? Can anyone see my pain? And if you're a follower of Jesus, our prayer comes from Ephesians 1.18. It's this, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. Because we can't just lift our hands and say, I just love you. I just love you. And then on a Monday, because loving Jesus is seeing the things which Jesus sees. We can't just lift our hands on a Sunday and walk past someone on the street on a Monday. And we all have those moments. Jesus' first invitation is he's inviting into our neighbor's mess. He's in, it's an invitation saying, would you come in? The second invitation is this, and this for me is a really challenging one because I'll be honest, I do see things. It's one of my strengths, I see things. But this is my challenge. Is Jesus is throwing out another invitation to us, is inviting us to push past our barriers. Our barriers. Think about all the barriers that the Good Samaritan had to break for in order to help this young man. The barriers between the Good Samaritan and this Jewish, beaten up, fell on the side of the road. They were monumental. The first was social barriers. This Jewish guy was naked and bleeding 
on the side of the road. That is very, very, very awkward. If you were walking down Gentleman's Walk and there was someone bleeding and naked, who knows you're going, I'm going to think twice about whether I want to get involved in this. It's not that I haven't got a heart to help them. What if someone took a photo of me? What if someone saw me kneeling down next to a naked girl? They might think I'm weird. They might think I'm part of it. I mean, would you go near someone who was lying naked on the street? The social barriers. What about the racial barriers? Back in Bible days, Jews and Samaritans, they they didn't mix. It was unheard of for a Jew to speak to a Samaritan, let alone befriend or help someone. And the hatred, it went back centuries. There was a division between the north and the south in Judea. Samaria was capital of the north and Jerusalem the capital of the south. And it, it was a national divide. It was segregated and the north didn't speak to the south and vice versa. But this national divide became a spiritual divide. And this spiritual divide became a racial divide. And there was absolute hatred. You were not allowed to talk to a Samaritan if you were a Jew. You were not allowed to touch them. If you touched, if you touched a Jew and you were a Samaritan, you would be seen unclean. And you would have to go and cleanse yourself in the temple for 10 days. And so when he knelt down and he, put, he bandaged his wounds... In that moment, he was declared unclean. Now, can you imagine what the expert in the law was feeling when he heard this story? This was really uncomfortable. He's saying, hey, I'm prepared to love my neighbor. I'll love one of my own. I'll love one of my own. I'll I'll love a fellow Jew, but I'm not going to touch a Samaritan. Jesus cared Write this down. Jesus cared more about love than law. There are times, even in this church, I've had to care more about loving you guys than the laws. I won't say any more. Jesus cared more about love than law. Be careful you don't just live by the law. Be careful that the greatest law to live by is the one that Christ called us to live by, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, in this moment, he's speaking into the center of racial prejudices and divisions in that nation. Maybe, maybe, your, maybe your barriers aren't ones of prejudice or social barriers. Maybe, maybe I don't know about you, this is, and I'm going to speak from my heart, but maybe your barriers and my barriers can be justified. I can justify sometimes reasons not to help people. Can I just share a few that I've had to push past? And don't feel guilty. Okay, these are mine. Okay, these are personal to me. Um, but I'm pretty sure we can all um, recognize them in our own lives. The first barrier I have to push past before I love someone is this. You ready? Someone else will. Someone else will. It says in verse 31, by chance a priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. We don't know the reason the priest passed on the other side. He might have been late for his dinner. We don't know. the. But I have a feeling, maybe the priest thought this, he assumed someone else will. How often has our response, who be honest and say, I've had a response in my life where I'm not going to help that person because someone else will. Could be the government, 
could be the welfare system, it could be the person down your robe, someone else, someone else will speak to them about Jesus, someone else will invite them to the wonder, someone else, I'll just leave it up to someone else. Mark Hollinger, Colin and I in 2018, I've told this story before but many of you won't have heard it, we were in Mumbai, India and um, we were filming for Heart for the House and just seeing the incredible work of Vision Rescue, Pastor Biji and Sukunda out there and it's just incredible what God is doing. And uh, it was just before we were just about to get a sandwich for lunch and as we were going for lunch we, we passed under this bridge, it's gonna, picture's going to come up on your screen. And by the way, that's people's homes. That's what people live, that's the daily reality for so many people in India, millions of people in India every day. And we were just, we Chantal and I have just come back from, in August from being there and seeing the incredible work that, that as a church we're able to support out there. And we drove, we drove past this bridge and BJ said, I just want us to stop. Uh, there was a bit of a commotion. He said, let me just stop, make sure everything's okay. They, they have a dental van that goes into the, under the bridge and supports that f- the family and the communities in there. As he went in, there was a commotion, and he said, well, um, I'm going to ask you, um, Colin and Mark and myself, just stay back. I just need to see what the situation was. Anyway, when he got closer to that, there was a man who was dying on the side of the road. And he, um, he had a hole from his chin to his chest, bigger than a hand. And um, there had been, he'd been drunk the night before, he'd fallen over, he chipped his, his throat and it cut, an infection had got in and maggots had got in and were eating him alive. And I'm sorry, but I just want to share the reality of what people go through on an every day. And <clears throat> I said, well, we, we need to phone an ambulance. And BG looked at me, he said, who's paying for that? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, this, this, isn't, this isn't London. He, I said, well, how, how much would it cost? And he said, around $2,000. By the way, is anyone grateful right now for the NHS? Okay. So we can moan and we can groan and we can tweet and we can blog. The reality is it's, it's a whole lot better than what. So thank you to all of our doctors, nurses, key workers. We appreciate you. You're worth every penny and more. Anyway, cut a very long story short, we were able to get help for this man. He had hours to live, and no one in that community had any money. No one had any funds to get there. And Mark said, Mark, who is a board member, he says, we'll make a way as a church. We have an emergency fund, so we, we, we were able to pay, get an ambulance to come and rescue this man. When they got him to the hospital, he had 2,000 maggots pulled out of him. He had hours to live. He had hours to live. But here's the thing, my initial response was this, someone else will. Someone else will. Someone else will help. That's our natural reaction. Yet God was saying, you are my someone else. I don't have a plan B. His name was Rakesh. I don't have a plan key for Rakesh. You are plan A. So if you don't help, what's going to happen? Sometimes God is going to push us into some really uncomfortable situations because the first question is this, do you see? But the second question is, will, will you overcome the barriers? The good news is Rakesh made a full recovery. He, he found his wife. She lived a few hundred miles away. They were divorced. They got back together. He was reunited with his children. And it is a complete miracle story. And our church, our church played a major, major role in that question is, am I that someone else? 
The second barrier that I have to get past, and this is a big one for me, is I'm just not qualified. I'm just not qualified. How often do we disqualify ourselves? Now, here's, here's a big secret. If you love Jesus, you qualify to love someone. If you are a lover of Jesus, if Jesus is living inside of your heart, you, it qualifies you to love someone else. You don't have to be qualified to give someone a hug. You don't have to be qualified to knock on someone's door with a bunch of flowers and say, I was just thinking about you, and here's some flowers. I might have missed this, but here's some flowers. You don't have to be qualified to stand in the rain and help cars come into church. You don't have to be qualified to make a coffee. We'll train you. You don't have to be qualified to go to Asda and pick up some groceries and make a meal for the person on your street who's just lost their spouse. None of us are qualified. But what qualifies us is the love of Jesus inside of us. You don't have to qualify. It's the good news. I think the third barrier, and this is another big one, is advantage takers. <sighs> Tinkers. Has anyone else been ever taken advantage of? Of your goodwill? Only three of us. Come on, who's ever helped someone? So what happens naturally, human nature, when we, when we help someone and then we find out they don't really need it or we've, they've taken advantage of, this is our natural response. I'm not going to do it again. I ain't doing that again. I'm not going to help those people. Those people just take advantage of me. I'm going to go home. You know, I am pretty sure, and I'm saying this in all grace and all respect, there are a handful of people who take advantage of our sole social supermarket every single week. I have no doubt about it. But my job isn't to judge someone's car they drive, shirt they wear, shoes they wear. None of us know the backstory of someone's life. None of us know why someone has ended up in our sole social supermarket. And even if there are a handful of people who take advantage of it, I'm not going to allow those people to distract me from reaching the amazing amount of people who need help, love and support every week. Don't allow a person who's taken advantage of you to reach or stop reaching someone who hasn't. You'll all, you know, I'm sure the Good Samaritan, I'm sure that he, that wasn't the first time he'd stopped to help someone. Maybe the person before took advantage of him. Maybe when he wasn't looking. Maybe he drank the wine. Maybe he stole the oil. Maybe he did something. But you see, when the Spirit of the Lord is in you, it gives you the heart to forgive the person who's taken advantage of you, and it gives you the compassion to help the person who's next in line. What about another barrier? Opposition. The good Samaritan, he, he knew that when he knelt down on the floor and he put his hand on that Jewish man, he knew straight away he was about to face some serious opposition because he was breaking the law. He was break, it was an actual law that he could be punished for. You know, when, when you step out and do something for God, there will be opposition. When you step out and, you know, the Kilo of Kindness initiative. Someone tweeted me and said, we'd given them chocolate two years ago. We had an agenda 
and possibly John Norman had tampered with the chocolates. <laughs> Can you believe I've been accused of tampering with someone's strawberry creams at Christmas? <laughs> they were right with the agenda. We got an agenda. The agenda is love. But no one's tampered with the chocolates. <laughs> you know, just for a minute, just for a second, <clears throat> I ain't going to do that again. I'm not going to be... Come on, we've all been there. We've either been taken advantage of or we do something and opposition comes and our natural response is, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do that anymore. What about this one? Now, this is my biggest barrier. You ready? It's the busy barrier. The busy barrier. Like Barry in the story, the vicar, the local vicar, Barry was busy. Like so many of you, who would, who would be honest and say you're time poor? Right, the rest of you didn't put your hand up. I'm going to sign you up afterwards. If you've got all the time in the world, we need you at this year. Who's time poor? Okay, who's like always like behind? Come on, Alan, you're time poor. You're always trying to get the next thing. and I'm always in a rush. I'm always trying to get things. And if you know me, I've got so many more things on my list than I can possibly handle. But I think the priest and the Levite, They've come out as the bad guys in the story. I don't actually think they were the bad guys. I think they were the busy guys. Because you don't become a priest or a Levite unless you are highly respected in society. Okay, so these aren't bad guys. They're not, trust me, they are not the heroes of the story. But they've actually been tainted, the bad guys. They're not the bad guys. They're the busy guys. And to be honest, if a modern day parable was written, I could easily find myself as one of the first two. I'm glad that parable's not written today, because I could find myself as one of those people. Write this down. Good people will always be able to find a good reason to walk on by. Good people, that's you and I, remember the Levites and priests, they were good people, will always have a reason, a good reason, just to walk on by. Barriers. There's never actually a convenient time to help someone. There's never actually a convenient time to love someone. You don't ever think, I've got two hours to spare this afternoon. Father God, inconvenience me right now. <laughs> at, five, at five to three and at ten to four, can you stop inconveniencing me? Life doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. You run into the dentist and suddenly the phone rings. It's like, not now. Who's ever seen that number? And you know what's flashing. You just want to put, can't talk now. You know that lovely button? Sorry, can't talk now. Sorry, can't talk now. Call you later. You never do. Anyway, that's a different story. But there's never a convenient time to love people. The Good Samaritan, I don't think it was a convenient time. I just think he was compelled by something greater than the clock. The fifth barrier is comfort. The comfort barrier. If I'm honest, I stumble over this a lot. Because loving my neighbor takes me out of my comfort zone. When I was with Rakesh in India, I, to be honest, I was way out of my comfort zone. Way out of my comfort zone. Sometimes God is going to call us out of our comfort zones. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's hard. Two weeks ago after I'd preached the message, why do I have to? I had to live it. 
Mum was in the car, Miracle, Justice and Chantal, and we were driving home. We just picked up some takeaway. And um, I'd spoken all day and I was tired. And when I got to got the takeaway, we were, we were close by to where the, the church started on Nelson Street, where, where it started for me. And I said to the children, would you like to see the very first soul church, which was Mount Zion? They said, yes, yes. So we drove down Nelson Street. It's about nine o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night. And we're driving down there. And as we drove down and we got to just where the church was, there was a lady in the middle of the road. And she was trying to, trying to, to flag down cars. I thought, this is really odd. And straight away, the barriers start to come up. Someone else will. It's too difficult. She probably, you know, it's probably a good reason. Anyway, all the barriers, the natural ones. And Chantel says, you need to stop. So we, we pulled over and I put my window down. I said, are you okay? And she said, she was, she was shivering. She was so cold. She said, I'm so cold and I'm so hungry. I've been trying to flag down a car for two hours for food. This isn't, by the way, this isn't South Africa. This is Norwich. Okay, this is Norwich. Okay, this is the reality for so many people now in our own backyard. This isn't something that's happening in Mumbai. This is not something that's happening in down in Africa. This is happening right here. So I got out of the car and I, I said, just tell me a little bit about your story. And she told me her story. She'd been in a violent relationship. She'd been thrown out of her house by, 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 by her partner. And um, she had bruises on her eye. And she said, I haven't eaten for two days. She said, I rely on food banks. She said, I rely on food banks to eat. Now, in that moment, we could all start jumping to the why and things she should have done or could have done. But the Spirit of God compelled me to help her. Took her to the little shop and we said, what would you like? She said, I just want a, a microwave meal. She said, all I want is something hot in my tummy. And my heart is breaking. So I had to tell her about the church and the, the Superman and we had to get her some food and some groceries for the week. But this is real church. Okay, and we can, we can choose to ignore what's happening around us but people are choosing between heating and eating this winter. That is a reality for many of us. We've got to make a decision. First of all, we've got to see it. She said for two hours, she tried to get a car. Two hours. I imagine that's probably 30, 40 cars have driven past. And you know what? They've probably, it was too much, it was out of their comfort zone. Maybe they were scared. Maybe they're fearful. Maybe someone else will. Maybe all these barriers. But this was the reality for this lady. She was someone. And when we walk down the road and we see a homeless person, or when we see someone in need, we have a responsibility. If you put your hand up and say, I am a follower of Jesus, you and I, we have a responsibility to love our neighbors. <laughs> to love our neighbors, not gossip about them, talk about them, but love them. And it will always take us out of our comfort zone. Eight years ago, I read a book by Francis Chan called Crazy Love. Has anyone read that book? If you haven't read Crazy Love, read it. It's crazy, okay? It will, it will mess with your theology. He talks a lot about the Good Samaritan, what I'm talking about today. But when I got to the end of the book, I realized I had very few unchurched friends. All our friendship circle was Christians. And there's nothing wrong with that. But God had called Chantal and I to enlarge our circle of love. And I want to encourage you, don't spend all your time socializing with Christians. I got three amens. <laughs> they actually don't need your love. 
Sometimes they do. But the world needs to see Christ in us. We've honestly had a whale of a time, the last seven or eight years, having our house full of unchurched people. It's brilliant, the things they come out with. I'm like, kids, fingers in your ears time. But it's brilliant, because every time the conversation always ends up back to Jesus. It always seems to end back, tell us more about church, tell us more about what you do, tell us about the foundation. And it's fa- I'd much rather spend my night leading someone closer to Jesus than talking about all the problems in the global church. Have you heard? I don't care. I want to put my energy and my time in drawing people closer to Jesus. So here's the question for all of us. When was the last time you had a non-believer around your house? Not the sky man. When was the last time? Or does our circle always, do they talk like us, look like us, think like us? Wonder what barriers have kept you and I from loving our neighbors. You know, if I'm really honest, it's often my barriers, not my bank account, that stops me from loving my neighbor. One of the easiest things to do is to throw money at a problem. Sometimes money is the solution, by the way. Money's not always a bad thing. But so often not, it's not money. It's time. It's a hug. It's a prayer. It's a phone call. It's coffee. So many times we're, we're happy to let our bank accounts. But actually, it's our barriers that God wants to work on. Over the last few days, I've been putting this message together amidst all the fun this week. And it's these barriers that keep coming to me. And we all get tested on these barriers this week. Three men walked by, but only one loved his neighbor. Three men, but only one loved his neighbor. Why? Because he pushed past the barriers. Okay, so Jesus is inviting us to notice. Jesus is inviting us to push past our barriers. Third and finally, as the team come up, he's inviting us to pay the price. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. He said to the innkeeper, take care of him. Whatever you spend when I come again, I will repay you. He's used his own first aid supplies, his oil, his wine. He's paid for his Uber. He's put him up in a hotel. He's opened a tab at the front desk, and he said, hey, whatever this guy eats or drinks, whatever he needs, put it on my tab. Take care of him. It's on me. And this is the final thing which we're called to do. This is the final invitation. It's this. Pay the price. There's a part, there is a price to pay to loving our neighbors. You know, if I'm really honest, as a church, there's a price to pay for the wonder. The price to pay is many of us aren't going to get to church on Sunday for two weeks. And half of me, I am so sorry because we're going to miss this. Okay, we're going to miss this. Next Sunday is the last time we're going to do kind of church like we do church. And then we go into crazy Christmas Santa mode for two weeks. And this place will be packed with our neighbors. And I'm sorry, the half of me is so sorry that we're not going to do this. And please, if you don't get a ticket, it's, it's, it's going to be streamed online on the Sunday. If, you don't, and you, if you're so missing church, go find a local church in your, in your community. Go support them. Go love them. Go tell them we love them. 
Give them some money. Do whatever it takes. I don't mind, okay? But just remember, we're using these next two weeks to love our neighbors. Okay? So on the other half, it's like this is probably the most exciting two weeks because all the, the work, the coffees, the ch- conversations, we get to put it into practice. It's going to be so exciting. And we're going to come back on December the 18th and we're going to celebrate what God's done of the previous two. But the price, it might be the fact that we don't get to come to church in the room for two weeks. The price might simply be our time, listening ears, money, dinner table, discomfort, love. But I want to encourage us, it's not enough just to be lovely. God wants us to be loving. You know, there's a difference between lovely and loving. I can be lovely. You know, when people come to me and just say, John, you're so lovely, that's actually not, that's actually not a compliment. Because it doesn't take any effort to be lo- lovely. That's, your, that's, your, char- that's your, your personality. But loving is your character. God wants us to love our neighbors. Not be lovely to them. Morning! Oh, yeah. That's lovely. You're waving at them inside. They're screaming. Would you come and talk to me? Walking past a homeless person. Sorry. But nothing. Bye. Have a lovely day. That's lovely. But God's not called us to be lovely. He's called us to be loving. So what's the price? The price is being inconvenienced. If you commit to loving your neighbor, there's only one thing I can guarantee you, and that's inconvenience. You know, there's a couple of our families in our church who are absolute unsung heroes. Darren and Ellie, they're here, and they're beautiful beautiful doors. Can you all stand? Sorry. Ellie asked me to ask you all to stand. No, she didn't. She's going to have, you guys, you can, you can sit down and yeah, hang on just a sec. And Steve, Steve and Sue Jean, they were in the last service, but both of these incredible families, and there could well be a whole lot more families that I'm unaware of. When the war broke out in March in the Ukraine, they felt compelled to love their European neighbors. They felt compelled to love those families that were fleeing that war-torn region. And so they invited those families, family each, into their homes. And for the last eight or nine months, they've just loved them. They've enlarged their circle. I'm telling you from what I'm hearing from Ellie, what I'm hearing from Steve, it's not been easy because there's language barriers, there's food barriers, cultural values, all, all sorts of things, but they've decided to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. For me, that's just like, I want you to know that that is incredible. I know you haven't done this for public and you absolutely hate this and I know that, but I want you to know and your beautiful children, the sacrifice, God sees it all. And he loves you and there is a reward coming. And God's going to give back to you everything you've given. And I, I just think that's remarkable. I don't know about you, I think we should say thank you. Because let's be honest, we all thought about it. Chantal and I included, but there's just too many barriers. <clears throat> this is a challenging message. I make no apology for it. But Jesus is calling us to love our neighbors, to enlarge our circles. The price may be this Christmas. The price might be to disrupt my Christmas traditions. Maybe God wants to disrupt your Christmas. <laughs> Growing up, my mom's here today, dad's in heaven, but mum and dad would regularly on a Christmas throughout the year, we'd have strangers in our home. 
we get home and dad's invited a homeless guy for lunch or dinner. Like, and then it's like families at Christmas like, hello, I'm John. Dad's like, they had nowhere to go. We even had the puppet man one year. <laughs> True story, before he was famous, we had the puppet man for Christmas. You think I'm joking, this is how we grew up. And the crazy thing is Chantel grew up, she had strangers in her home. But we've created our castles as our home and God is saying we need to take the walls down. The question is this, who will be sitting around our Christmas tables on the 25th? Because Christmas, I love Christmas. I'm a Christmas holic. I've already got my lights up. The music started in the Norman family last night. We love Christmas. Sharon loves it as well. She's had her candles going for six months, okay? We love Christmas. Okay? She's our name and we love Christmas. We can't get enough. Justice said to me this week, he says, have we bought the carrots yet for Santa? Most a little early, Justice. But you know, Christmas for us is the happiest time of year, the most wonderful time. For many, it's the hardest. It's the most painful. For some people in our church, they're sitting at home alone because their spouse died this year. Maybe their family's not around. It's tough. But we've got an opportunity to think now, ahead of the game. Maybe the Holy Spirit's going to break up our Christmas tradition. We're going to enlarge our circle and bring someone in. Someone who's maybe on the peripheral. Someone who is alone. Someone who doesn't have a family this year. Maybe we could share our turkey leg with them. Or if you're you're a vegan, share your your Brussels sprouts. (laughs) Everyone's included. But wouldn't it be incredible this year as a soul church? We didn't have to have, you know, every year we've had an initiative, you know. Wouldn't it be, we didn't need an initiative because the love of Christ compelled us. We're in a conversation in the coffee shop and someone says, I don't have anywhere to Christmas. Come to us. You're in our family. You're included. I think this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, love your neighbor. And Jesus says the most provocative thing imaginable to the expert. He looks at him and he says this. He says, now go and do likewise. Go. Go. Don't think. Don't pray about it. Lord, I just want to pray if I need to invite Sue around for Christmas. She has no family, but Lord, I just need you to confirm it. And the Lord's like, what do you mean confirm it? She's alone at Christmas. You don't have to pray about inviting Sue. Bring Sue to the party. So many times we spiritualize all these things. God says, just bring Sue. Sweet, sweet Sue. (laughs) Two-thirds of God's name is go. Go. Go and do likewise. All right, stand to your feet. I've preached too long. Okay, who's going to accept these three invitations? By the way, if you accept them, they will come knocking. Who's going to accept these three invitations? Invitation number one, you've got to notice the need. Invitation number two, we've got to push past the barriers. Invitation number three, three, I'm going to pay the price. Church, this isn't what we do. This is who we are. This isn't, this isn't just a story in the Bible. I believe this is a blueprint for our lives. Now, I'm going to finish with this. The Good Samaritan wasn't a term that Jesus coined to describe a superhero. The Good Samaritan was a Christian. 
We've put the Good Samaritan in the superhero box. He wasn't a superhero. He was a Christian. You see, when Christ lives inside of you, you are a Good Samaritan. You and I. So today, I don't, none of us are superheroes. We're just followers of Jesus because this is what Jesus commanded us to do. So today, if you're saying, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. Help me to push past the barriers and I'm prepared to pay the price to loving my neighbor. Just slip up your hand right now and pray. It's tough. It's not an easy response because they might take advantage of you. There's going to be many barriers. You'll be busy. There'll be opposition and you won't be qualified, but that's what qualifies you. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you do. We're going to sing this out. I want us to sing it over our situation, over our neighbors, over our city. God wants to use, use you to heal others. You know, when I look at the story of the Good Samaritan, it's actually a story of Jesus. Because what's the first thing Jesus does is he sees me. Before he knew me, he saw me. And then he pushed past the barriers to get to me. He pushed past my sin. He pushed past the crowd that rejected him. He pushed past the disappointment. And let me tell you, if anyone got took advantage of on earth, Jesus did. And the third thing that Jesus did was he paid the price. He paid the price. He, he took my sin, my shame on the cross. And so the Good Samaritan is actually a reflection of what was to come. And so Jesus never asks us to do anything that, we're not, that he wasn't prepared to do himself. So he saw me, he pushed past the barriers, and he paid the price. And Jesus says, because I've done this for you, now we have a responsibility to do it for others. This is difficult. It's not easy being a Christian. If you found it really easy being a Christian, you probably need to, probably need to check, it out, check it out again because it's not easy serving Jesus. It's your life. It's not easy. It's not just saying a prayer and putting a light bulb in and walking away and nothing changes. Being a Christian literally means to turn to turn from your old life of living for yourself and giving your life to something that's greater than yourself. The cause of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you today, I'm going to really challenge us all, are we really saved? Are we really followers of Jesus? Not have I got Christian on my Facebook bio, am I really a follower of Jesus? Am I prepared to be disrupted, inconvenienced, Am I prepared to pay the price? Has Jesus paid the price for me? If you say today, John, I just don't want to be known as a Christian by my title, but I want to know that Jesus is alive inside of me. He sees me. He pushed past the barriers for me. He paid the price for me. And I receive his love and grace. But today, I don't just want to, to know that. I want to live that. I want you to lift up your hand right now. I want you to live it, you want to live it out. Do you know what? My hand's up. I'm challenged. 
I'm challenged by the message I'm preaching today. I want to live out. I want to live it out. I want to live it out. Father God, you see hands today. And Father, we ask you this week to inconvenience us, to, Lord, to take us on the path of someone who needs to know you more. Lord, I pray that that's an act of kindness, a hug, a coffee, Father, an invitation to our house at Christmas, whatever it is, Father. This week, we would be the hands and the feet of Jesus in our universities, in our schools, our colleges and workplaces. We thank you, Father. Help us to see, open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, help us to push past racial divides, spiritual divides, Father God. Whatever it is, Father, give us the strength to push past like you did the Good Samaritan. And Father, here we are. We're prepared to pay the price. We're prepared to pay the price, Father God, whatever it costs to serve and love you. In Jesus' name. Maybe today you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've never invited Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. You're saying today, I recognize my need for a Savior. He sees you. He'll do anything. He'll do anything to get to you because of the love He has for you. I'm going to count to three and say, John, pray for me. If you say, I'm not a Christian today, never made a decision to follow Christ. Today, this is your opportunity to receive His grace, His love, His forgiveness. One, two, three. Just slip up your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Amazing. Right at the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You're watching online. This is a, a moment for you as well. Everyone can place their hands down. We're going to say this prayer out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's congratulate everyone online in the room who's said that prayer. We've got a gift for you. It's a modern day translation of the Bible. And the story I told today is in this book, and I encourage you to take hold of the Bible. Please come back next Sunday. We're going to be completing the series next Sunday. Love thy neighbor, the final part. Can I just give you a little eye-opener into what we're going to do next week? Next week, I want to share on how we can individually lead people to Jesus. Never done this before in church, but I want to give you the tools not to bring people to church, but to lead someone in your office, in your workplace, in a city, in a coffee shop, I want to help people, lead people to Jesus. Because I'm kind of tired of the strategy at the moment, which is invite people to church and hope John preaches good and um, hope someone puts up their hand. That's one of the many, many ways of leading people to Jesus. But I want us to see little pockets of breakout. What happens, what happens if they stop us having church in a building? What are we going to do? Is that the end of Christianity? So we've, we, we, we've got to help people one-on-one. So I'm excited about final part next week, which is, uh, yeah, helping people find Jesus on a one-to-one. So I've never done it before, so looking forward to that. So thanks for listening today. 
Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.